people and chairs and tables and whatever yeah, the hell that. else out from under the ring, you know, it gets to be, uh, you know, if they're going to do it, they should only do it once a night. And I think in its own way, it's a, a reflection of, you know, in my own estimation what, of what's wrong with uh, WWE these days is, you know, you know, I applaud the wrestlers for putting in a lot of, effort and putting their bodies on the line and all the other, but um, bottom line for me, uh, you know, and the whole damn card, especially the last match, I don't think I saw any damn wrestling, you know, like actual wrestling and no uh, no holds, you know, maybe other than Ziegler and uh, Cesaro, which maybe was mm-hmm. possibly the best match, but I was like, uh, where the hell's the wrestling in every damn match? And I think the girls, AJ and Paige, was not bad. You know, it was actually a lot better from a, just a wrestling perspective. And, um, I, I, believe, yeah, I believe we have a caller yeah, calling in. Uh, actually, yeah. Could be, uh, could be, uh, actually, could be Bob. Bob calling in. Let me check. Uh, Area code uh, 580, Hobby um, Radio, Tech, and with Bruce Hart. 587, Area code. Welcome to Hobby Radio. This is Bob. I'm just listening in. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Real quick, uh, Bob, did you get a chance to um, follow Helen the show at all? Did you, did you want to give your viewpoint of the pay-per-view? Yeah, unfortunately, I uh, didn't see it tonight, but uh, I hear here was so-so. But I'm waiting for you, uh, you guys, to tell me about it. Okay. Here yeah. wasn't great. wasn't great. wasn't uh, bad. Uh, wasn't great. I think they were trying hard. You know, I give the wrestlers credit. Uh, all too often, uh, you have matches of this type of uh, format where you got hell in the cell and. I think they feel like they are obliged to, uh, you know, pull out every hardcore bullshit uh, thing under the sun, you know, the, uh, all the crap under the tables and the uh, special effects and the interference and the run-in. And, um, but I didn't find there was any wrestling, you know, that was frustrating, you know, and in, especially in that last match, you know, and uh, it, to me it was like being at a damn smorgasbord and you stuff your guts with whatever the hell, and the uh, by the end of the night, you know, you almost feel like puking because you've had so much and there's still stuff and more down your throat, you know. Yeah, I thought Ambrose and Rollins were, to their credit, busting their asses to... Uh, get over and get the uh, storyline and all that other, and I guess they felt like, you know, they had Bray Wyatt come in for whatever reason. This is after you've already had an orgy of Jamie Noble and Zach Mercury and fighting on the top and the body boards and the neck braces and making out like they're both going to be on their way to the hospital and they restarted the match and had the chairs and the screwdrivers and the uh, kendo sticks and on and on and on, you know. And then 
finally, you know, they had uh, Rollins' head was on the cement block, and I'm not sure if it went that way for everyone else. My screen went black, so I, then it came back on, so I presume it was some kind of a supposed uh, special effect. And then at that point, Bray Wyatt, for whatever the hell reason, was in the cage, and he uh, did his thing to Ambrose, you know. But I don't know, for me, it was like almost way too much, you know, or Ambrose being ambushed by Jamie Noble and Mercury, and then uh, then they had uh, Seth ambush him, and then all the other stuff, you know. By the end, it was so damned uh, over kill that, you know, and this this is after they've already had uh, another cage match earlier on the card and a uh, bunch well, of other... Uh, well, okay, Bruce, not, yeah. not to catch up, we have a we have another caller. Uh, Bob, is it okay if I push, uh, go ahead and meet you? Yeah, go ahead. Who who do you got? Hey. In, uh, we have a fan that let a bunch of people know about um, the show. We got a couple fans calling in, uh, but that's fine sure. to do that and take. The fans are um, what? <laughs> pay, the, pay the bills, they're the ones who... Yeah. Uh, we're going to bring you right now, uh, area code 443. I believe this is a uh, good old buddy, Jason Hevel, uh, from Indie Wrestling Q&A. What's up, buddy? This is... Uh, Tech and um, Bruce Hart from Heartbeat Radio. Where's Jay, uh, Where's your buddy calling from? Yeah, he's calling from calling, Baltimore. Calling from Bel Air, Maryland. Yeah, well, good to hear. Good to have you on. What's What's shaking, man? Which, Hello, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, buddy. Okay. Yeah, what's your um? You on Heartbeat Radio with Bruce Hart, and um, you on here with Attack. What's your um? Give us your thoughts of Hell in a Cell. I mean, the overall pay per view wasn't that great. I thought the main event was the best match of the night. The ending of it was um, definitely shocking to me because I really thought Randy Orton was going to come out and turn face um, against Seth Rollins and turn against the Authority. But then they had Bray Wyatt come back and, you know, turn, you know, help Seth Rollins and do something to Dean Ambrose. Yeah, that was kind of, kind of, it was kind of different, but we already see the storyline. If if nothing else was surprising, you know, I didn't see that coming. I, I wasn't all that turned on by it either, though. You know, it was like, uh. I assume they're now going to have Bray and Ambrose or maybe uh, some such thing like that. You know, I've been hearing speculative, you know, uh, can't, uh, perspective that uh, Harper and Rowan are switching face or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not, you know. They, but, um, yeah, okay. I think if... Uh, one of my problems is it's almost too much overkill. You know, it's, I guess, you know, one of the risks you have when you have these so-called hell in a cell type uh, pay-per-views. But uh, you have so damn much that after a while, by the end, even if it's good, you're almost like you've had so much inflicted on you that you're almost non-reactive. You know, that's, that's where I was. You know, I thought, you know, I give Ambrose and Rollins credit. I thought they were busting their asses, and 
putting their bodies on the line and taking some pretty wild bumps and uh you know it's pretty dangerous some of the stuff they're doing they could have easily been injured and i'm sure they're pretty sore right now but uh for me, it was almost too damn much. You know, you got the cement blocks, and you got the uh, suitcase, and you got the thing on the top, and you got the chairs, and you got the uh, two guys interfering at the beginning. And by the end, you know, it was almost like uh, enough is enough. That was my my take on it, you know. And, okay. Jason, you know, I, I, I give them credit for busting their asses, you know. They certainly uh, worked sure. hard, you know. And, Throughout the card, I think the work rate was pretty good, and overall, you know, I couldn't uh, fault anyone for not putting out. You know, even the even the Bellas, which wasn't great, but it was at least they were trying. You know, but Jason, what was uh, uh what were some of your other thoughts on Helen the Cell? Um, some of the matches were very predictable, especially the Cena Orton match. Because I know they weren't going to push Orton because Cena is, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I hate to say he's the face of the WWE, and I know he don't like putting over guys. Um, so that match was really boring because I already knew the outcome. Uh, the yeah, it wasn't match really. Was, they, I think they worked all right. You know, it it didn't really uh, light my fire either. You know. And then uh, the Intercontinental match. I do like Ziggler as a champion, but Cesaro, I don't know what they do with him. They keep pushing him, they pushing him, and then when he's at the main spot, he's we're just going to kick him to the curb again. So it really yeah. does not make any sense. Yeah. yeah what his point if I, if is. If I was them, I'd uh, maybe, <laughs> in the old days, you would have sent him out, sent him to another territory and brought him back in a year or something like that, you know. They've sort of done the same with him that they did with uh, Ryback and Curtis Axel and a few others, you know. And yeah, he doesn't have too much, uh, you know, main event. He, you know, he's sort of almost been chewed up and spit out. And, you know, there's not that much more you can do with him, you know, and that I can see at this point, you know, than uh, let him take a rest and bring him back under a new identity or something in a few months or years or whatever, you know, but what was your take on that uh, ill-conceived attempt at comic relief or whatever the hell that abortion with uh, well, the, Miz and Santo and that? Well, my, my thing would be they need definitely need to turn Sandow face, turn against the Miz, Give him a title because he actually is a lot better than Sandow. He has more charisma. He has more wrestling ability. Miz is just a celebrity to me. Yeah, yeah. I think that whole thing uh, for me it was so bad that it was embarrassing. It reminded me of some of the uh, colossal abortions I've seen in the past with uh, some of the crap they're doing with the uh, Hornswoggle, and then some of the crap that they're doing back in the day with. Lita and Edge and the uh, X-rated bullshit and then the gobbledygooker yeah. and some of the Mae Young and the Mark Henry skits and all. It, was like, it wasn't even funny. It wasn't... It was just sort of uh, lame filler, you know, just to get, you know, f you know, bridge the gap between uh, Cena and Orton and uh, 
whatever followed after, you know. But for me, it was so bad it was embarrassing, you know. It detracted, and you know, I, I'd I'd be firing whoever conceived of that horseshit, you know. It didn't serve any purpose. It wasn't funny, clever, anything, you know. It's embarrassing, well, I'm, I'm little, bad. You know, I will say like, I'm. I'm I'm a little different. I'm a little different on this one. Um, if I may, if I may, Bruce and uh, Jason, I, for me, and, and I actually said this. I don't know because we had long weekends, but I, I found myself dozing off a lot during this pay per view because a lot of it seemed like real lethargic and slow. But um, I, I, I actually enjoyed the whole. I actually enjoyed the Miz Dow Miz um, combination. I actually thought it was pretty funny. It was a little different. In my my opinion, is that it was uh, different, but uh, you know. Because, uh, I feel because of the Miz, it is it, it, similar to how it was with Del Rio and and um, Alberto uh, with Del Rio and Rodriguez, is that Miz Dow was over more than the Miz, and and like Jason mentioned, is the Miz is more of a celebrity, and, and granted, nothing against the Miz, and he's a talented guy, but Miz Dow with him being a double, and doing everything that he's doing is getting him back over surprisingly over more than he was beforehand. And like Jason said, I would like to see them do something where yeah. he goes back to his Damien. Um, I'm just talking from a wrestling perspective, mm-hmm. and my background sure. might be different. You know, I know we used to, mm-hmm. even when you did comedy, uh, comedy right. should never look like it's intentional, like you're actually trying sure. to uh, make the people laugh. But sure. from, yeah. from my perspective, what all I know is I know if I, when I was booking Stampede Wrestling and you know, back in the day with Dynamite and Benoit and Pillman mm. and Davey and all those guys. Right. If I had orchestrated an abortion like that, I probably would have been fired, you know. Right, right. There would have been a lot of people screaming and saying, what kind of horseshit is this? You know, this is uh, complete crap, you know. And didn't, uh, I mean, compared to you, you know, this is WWE, and, and, and I will note, you know, um, I know I know me and Jason talk about this a lot off air, and, and I've even shared this with some other people. I'm not a big fan of the quote unquote WWE style of comedy mostly. So it's kind of it's rare, rare that I find something funny. No, but that's one of their whole, biggest yeah. Achilles heels. You know, yeah. they got this propensity for, you know, mm-hmm. thinking that they're funny. And uh, almost every time I've seen them endeavor to uh, incorporate some comic relief or something. It usually uh, gets overbought as yeah. well as somebody farting in a crowded elevator. You know, it didn't. Uh, I'm not sure what the ostensible purpose of it was. You know, it didn't make me want to watch the next pay per view or like, wow, I gotta see the next, you know, go around of Miz and uh, Sandow or I don't know what that. You know, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, Shamus didn't get anyone over. You know, it was just a bunch of true. lame horseshit. True, and like I said, in my, my in, perspective, you know, very, anyway. Like I said, in my view, in the rare case of me, I did find the whole Miz um, also a little entertaining compared to the night. Like I said, it could have been because it was just before the Yeah, I, so I talk slow, about but, you know uh, addition by subtraction. If you had taken the Shamus Miz Sando match and just had it not on the card, just deleted it, the show would have been better than if that effing abortion had been on it. You know, that's about all I could say. Yeah. It, 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 
And real quick, too, you don't mind Bruce and Bobby and Jason Stallone, um, if it's okay. Um, something I thought of is, is what about Seamus? Is what what is really Seamus's character? If you if you think about it, what, <laughs> I don't know. The whole what, thing what is, is the whole thing's a gong show from the beginning. You got a guy from Ireland as the United States champion, you know, whatever the hell that in the first place, you know, uh-huh. signifies. I have no idea, you know, but um, I don't know. <laughs> you tell me, you know. Uh, thus far, whatever the hell Seamus has done has hasn't really grabbed me or hasn't made me go like, wow, I'm waiting for Seamus to get his shot at the title or the go to the next level or what, you know. For me, he's stuck in neutral, has been for a couple of years, you know, he's, you know, I don't know what, you tell me what you think. I think ever since he turned, I think ever since he turned face, he fell flat. Because yeah, I think he's uh, a lot better as a heel. I thought he was better as a heel, and he uh, he wasn't great as a heel, but at least, you know, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, something there that pissed you off or annoyed you or whatever, you know. But uh, I don't know. For me, he's stuck in neutral, you know. I'm, I know a lot of other guys who are probably over more than him that seem to have fallen by the wayside, so I don't know what he's doing to keep his job. You know, like guys like John Morrison and DBOC's kid and um, and Ryback and Axel, they, they're all, to me, every bit as good, if not better, than Sheamus. So I don't, I'm not sure he, he doesn't... Uh, to me, he has, has never really warranted being pushed that I can see. I don't know if you know if he left it wouldn't be any great uh, consequence, I don't think, you know. But I don't know, he that that match didn't uh do anything whatsoever, you know, and I'm not sure if it's due to Seamus or the the lame attempt at comic relief or the fact that Miz and Seamus, neither one of them is you know, all that Greater worker either, you know. So, I don't know. There's nothing there that really uh, made me uh, <laughs> have any pride in being a damn wrestler. That's about all I could say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will say, um, I, I was very shocked with uh, when it comes to Zara and Ziggler. Like I said, I'm uh, from. Like you said, I, I don't have. I don't. I don't have a great background. Of course, he's you, Brett. <laughs> but being, being, you know, I used to wrestle since I was eight. You know, collegiate wrestling and amateur wrestling, and and I, I, I love Ziggler. I love. I think he's very talented. He's a good worker. Um, same as Cesaro. Cesaro has always been one of my favorites. I will say that I was very surprised that, and like you said earlier, Bruce, you have a best. You know, you have a best two out of three falls match, and traditionally you have each person in in the in the match. Oh. Trade what was the uh, rationale or the reason for having a two out of three? Like, anytime you do something, right. you know, it, it, there should always be a purpose, or you should be able to explain right. it. Apparently, I, I don't know what yeah. the hell the reasoning was. You know, if you're going to go to two out of three, then you should go, you know, make all of a sudden say all title matches are two out of three like they used to be in the old days, or. You know, that's, that's part of the WWE problem. They just seem to uh, 
pull these rabbits out of a hat for no reason, you know. And for me, it's ass backwards too to have a two or three fall match in the opening match of a, a card either. It's it's uh, it's tough to unload something like that as the the opening match, you know, of the whole damn show, you know. It's kind of right, and, sticking his square peg in a round hole. Right, and and, real, um, and once I say this, I'll, um, I'll bring you back back on Jason and get your viewpoint. Um, is like you said, Bruce. In, in my mindset, I didn't know the best two out of three falls until right before the pay per view came on, and uh, my buddy told me that it was. And like you said, if if it's the best two out of three fall, have a build up. You know, have a program with Cesaro and Ziggler. You know, near falls or you know Ziggler get um you know get keep getting um over on Cesaro. Cesaro keep getting one up on Ziggler and didn't have a reason why it's two out of three. And then plus, Cesaro didn't even get a pinfall. Ziggler swept them. So like you said, what was the point? It is Cesaro. You yeah. know him as the big strong Swiss guy. He's strong. He's athletic. And you have Ziggler, of course, is very agile, but you have Ziggler sweep them. It's like, like you said, it was stupid. I didn't, I didn't get it. Jason, real quick, you get the point on that? Yeah, um, I was listening to the commentary, and I was listening to Michael Cole's bullshit, and apparently he said that it was on Monday night, Ziggler beat uh, Cesaro, and then on Friday night, Cesaro beat Ziggler. So then they set up some stupid two-out-of-three match, but then they made Cesaro look like a jobber. And they've, they've tended to make Ziegler, even though he's had the intercontinental belts or whatever. He's been getting jobbed almost regularly the last several months to the point where he almost forgot that he even is the intercontinental champion. You know, and I think that's part of the WWE's problem anyway. They have these belts that mean virtually nothing, just like the U.S. title, you know, to me means absolutely yeah. nothing. Sheamus comes out guy from Ireland, you know, however the hell that works out, you know, him being the U.S. champion. But there's not any uh, build-up to it. There's not anything. And For me, those belts are more of a detraction than an attraction, you know. Uh, they more just confuse people. And just like back in the day when they had the WWE in the world, you know, I was glad they finally got the one. But... Uh, I'm not sure they have this more is better mindset all the time with belts and swerve finishes and some of these other things, you know. And um, if you did less, but you did it at a, a more meaningful time and uh, considered the consequences better, you'd get a lot better reaction. You know, they have this mindset of shoving crap down people's throats and uh, figuring the more is better. And all, all too often, the uh, reaction I get is I feel like barfing instead of, uh, you know, uh, savoring it, you know. But I don't know. That's <laughs> my somewhat jaundiced perspective. But oh, um, what was your. No, go, go, Brimstop was coughing. I apologize. Yeah, well, your perspectives on some of the other ones. Uh, what did you think of Rusev and Big Show? Um, I thought you can go, Jason. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that whole match was stupid, and I feel like they've been. You know, I know I already know that they're already setting up a Rusev Cena rivalry near WrestleMania, 
So I know that Roos is going to keep going on undefeated. And I could, I could, I've tried to figure out if they were going to have Henry turn against um, Big Show because I was reading that on the internet week, like a week ago, saying that Henry was going to line himself with Rusev, and you know, the whole thing, you know, uh, I could see some, you know, I shudder at the thought of those two guys actually working, you know, (laughs) be like Godzilla and King Kong, those old Japanese movies from both. The 1950s <laughs> or something like that. But, but, um, but the thing um, is, with Rusev, I don't, I don't think he's talented. He comes out, he does the same no, moves. He, he can't cut he, a promo. He's like a, a poor man's uh, cross between Iron Sheik and Nikolai Polkov. You know, like like some yeah. retread like from he, 70s. He can't you know, cut a promo. He's even got the Sheik's finish. But uh, the only thing that augments him is his valet seems to. Uh, you know, uh, you know, serves some purpose is eye candy and kind of gets a little bit of half heat, you know. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I, I could, you know, I, I guess they fan the flame. I think they figure they maybe uh, got some mileage out of Iron Sheik and Hogan back in the day, but uh, that was a different era. But I'm not sure if Cena and Rusev, you know, it might be a stretch to uh, keep Rusev hot, you know, uh, until that time. I was almost amused where they were talking about all the guys that he's beaten, the world's strongest man and the, the real American and the world's largest man and it was sort of like Curly Larry and Moe or something like It wasn't really any, uh, not one of those guys was really over it when he beat him. You know, they've been you know, kind of uh, mostly jobbed, and you don't know their swagger as a heel or a face or a real American or uh, or what he is. And Mark Henry's stock has, you know, deteriorated since his uh, ill-conceived uh, tryst with May Young or whatever the hell. You know, and Big Show's been a heel and a face and a whatever the hell. So, but yeah, I. He's- I can see the point they're trying to maybe take advantage of some quasi-political uh, schematic. and But, yeah, the bottom line is Rusev's not the second coming of Randy Orton or the Dynamite Kid either, so he's not really... Uh, I don't see him doing much more than he's already done. You know, he looks like he's pretty limited. And, you know, I guess... Beyond the patriotic uh, element, I'm not sure what else is there. It, it uh, in, in my my opinion, Tifa is the whole Rusev and Big Show. I mean, after a while, we know eventually they're going to build up to Rusev against whoever. It could be Cena. It could be maybe uh, Angle if he comes back, which I doubt at this point. Um, whoever else, like, like you mentioned, Bruce, that they keep saying, "Oh, he defeated Big Show. He defeated Henry. He defeated this guy." It, it it also tells you at the point of where Big Show and Henry are at in their careers. Um, Henry's been with the WWE since 95, so he's been there 20-plus years. Uh, Big Show's been there. He's been in wrestling for a long time. TV, he's been in WWE since, what, 90, what, what the late 90s? 99. So anybody that WWE brings in to try to get over, they haven't beat up Big Show or Henry. He did it with Brock when he 
just generally started in his prime over 10 plus years ago. He did it again with Brock when Brock came back. They had him beat up Henry twice. They had him beat up Big Show. And now they yeah. got Rusev doing the same thing. So it's like Big Show and Henry at the point in their careers where, of course, you know, they been paid their dues. They're at the point where, you know, they're, they're kind of part-timers. They're not really doing any programs. They're just, real, they're just punching bags for whoever they want to get over big. And like you said, eventually it's going to get old. And, okay, you beat, you beat Big Show. How many times are you going to beat Big Show? How many times are you going to beat uh, Henry? How many times are you going to beat Biggie Langston? How many times are you going to beat Kofi? How many times are you going to beat these mid-card guys? Eventually somebody's going to have to – you're going to either have to build somebody up equally as strong or intimidating. Or, like you said, in OBL, you want to have them face Cena or Orton or one of the big, big names to try to, you know, face them. Jason, real quick. I've heard some speculation. I don't know that it's fact or fiction that they may revive the uh, immortal Hulkster uh, for one more uh, patriotic, uh, you know, uh, kind of return to glory with Rusev. I don't know. That's... That's one of the rumors I've been hearing with Hogan supposedly maybe coming back to have some some penultimate patriotic showdown with Rusev, but I doubt if it would be that great of a match. But although you know uh, Hogan and Andre wasn't <laughs> wasn't a great match, but it nonetheless seems to be perceived now more in an iconic perspective, you know, like, wow, the uh, Hulk and Andre WrestleMania 3 and 90,000 people and Pontiac Silverdome and all like that, you know, so that might have some uh, merit, I guess, you know, but I surmise that Cena would probably be fighting Lester. I don't know, that's, I'm not sure if that's the game plan, that seems to be something that they appear to be uh, trying to aim toward or whatever, but I'm not sure uh, if that's the case too, you know, I guess given what they've already done, it would seem like it's, you know, a good possibility, you know, the fact that Cena already did a job and is supposedly endeavoring to avenge that loss and all like that, but I don't try to... uh, Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, no! I, I was I was agreeing with you. It's, it's, um, <laughs> I, I I agree with you. It's kind of sad that um, most of anybody listening now live or listening at the archive. I, I don't want um, if I can speak for you, Bruce. Um, I don't want people to think, oh well, you Bruce Hart's too old time, and he's you know he's just killing the current product. This is not necessarily that because I'm you know I, I I grew up a little old school too and. You hear this around generally. It's not that we're really killing the product, and there's a lot of there's still a lot of positive things going on in, in the business today. But lately, the state of the current state of professional wrestling, especially with WWE, is lacking a lot. So, um, it's true. It's not that Hell in a Cell wasn't necessarily the worst because we've seen worse, but it wasn't, um, as you say, Bruce, uh, WrestleMania three. <laughs> you know. Or, you know, the, the, the better pay-per-views back, you know, when you were WWE and um, your family and those. Um, w- would you agree with that? Yeah. I, 
I'm intrigued when I see these matches like Hell in the Cell and all that because uh, you should actually have a you know a, a serious build up or lead into any of those types of matches. You don't just have Hell in the Cells for no apparent reason. But one of the things that kind of perplexed me with the uh, the whole reason for having Hell in the Cell or a cage or whatever is supposedly so the heel can't escape or there's going to be justice served and all this other. And uh, that was the one thing I never saw that much of. And, you know, know, I I didn't see the heels trying to escape or look like they were, uh, you know, terrified now that they were cornered and they couldn't run and all, you know, and it was kind of exacerbated by having Wyatt, you know, the only reason why you have cages is to keep somebody from coming in or whatever, and then you got Bray Wyatt coming in anyway, so it seems to contradict the whole uh, purpose of that, you know. But, but. Jason, um, anything else you want to add? Well, in my opinion, I thought that it would have been a better storyline if they had Randy Orton go over against Cena and then have Orton win the title from Lesnar, and that would be a perfect setup for Rollins to cash in the contract to set up an Orton-Rollins yeah, feud. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've been hearing but probably you like you guys that Orton's supposed to, you know, it's one of the uh, common or popular rumors or theories going around is that Orton's going to be turning face. You know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but... That that seems to be floating around, you know. That Randy's going to go face, but and then fight Rollins or some such thing. But uh, yeah, if if it was up to me, I'd frankly turn Cena heel. I think he's got more, a lot more potential as a heel than as a face. But uh, I don't know that. is in the cards, or I, d- I doubt it. You know, it almost makes too much sense. You know, but Cause, um, yeah, um, I, go, buddy. Go ahead. What I, what I don't like about the authority and Rollins angle is Rollins won the Money in the Bank. I think they pushed him way too soon. He he turned into like the instigator of all the fights, and you know he ends up getting away with a win. Clean, you know, without winning clean because he finds somebody to help him out. And when are they ever going to have a contract ever, you know, being cashed in? There's yeah, no I, point I, of giving him a contract. I totally agree. I think the whole thing is, after a while, it almost becomes, you know, here we go again. You know, you get so sick of that bullshit. And I mean, what is, Rollins and, what is Seth Rollins' gimmick? You tell me. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I couldn't... Um... He comes out like a dark superhero, and he's got like a... He can't cut a promo. I don't I don't no. know. He's not main yeah, event like... quality to me at all. And, and that curb stomp for, is not me, even Ambrose, like... You know, it's, he's all right, but he's... You know, I, I'm not sure if he's... They're trying to reconstitute him as the second coming of Daniel Bryan, like this little game 
you know. Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> I think Dean Ambrose is like the resurrected Brian Pillman. So like a a, a Pillman or a, a little bit of uh, Daniel and CM Punk, you know, a bit of that kind of, like, you know, the game little uh, undersized, you know, loose cannon, you know. For for me, you know, and I uh, I don't think he's uh, got he's got to have a lot more edge if he wants to be like Pillman. You know, Pillman did personify that loose cannon stuff. Uh, for me, uh, Ambrose, I think he's trying to uh, you know kind of that might even be part of the inspiration. I hadn't thought of that before, but uh, he still has to put something more into his game, and I'm not sure what. Uh, you know, I, if that's if that's the case, I think that's not a bad way to go for him. But uh, something something sort of missing, you know. What's your? Uh, it, uh, or do you hear anything about those other guys coming back? Uh, I'm not sure if Daniel's done or not. You know, it seems to be kind of up in the air. Yeah. I'm not sure what Punk's. You know, whether well, there's any. Thing happening From what I'm hearing, CM Punk might be going to TNA. Well, I I, 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 could, I could, I could clarify that, clarify that um, more directly with um, inside sources that I know within TNA within the business. Um, TNA did offer Punk a contract. Um, they did offer him thirty k, um, thirty grand about appearance. And Daniel Bryan, um, excuse me, Daniel Bryan, <laughs> CM Punk turned it down. So TNA did legitimately offer Punk a contract. Um, that's the figure around the ballpark. I was told by inside source. That thirty G's uh, a match. Yeah, uh, a, a appearance. And he would work one pay per view, and he would have to work. He would do you know each pay per view a month, and then wrestle at least once. You know, one impact, and one live event, which basically one impact, one pay per view, thirty K appearance. That's what that's around the figure I was told. But I can tell you specifically that TNA did reach out to um, Punk. They did try to get him. Punk declined. So um, Punk right now. What seems is, to be? What's the main impediment yeah. to Punk going back to WWE? Is it just uh, I, I never quite knew what the hell the issue was there. You know, like he's been away yeah, from quite a while. I don't know. There he was pissed you know, off about something, or he's taking a rest, or I I never quite knew what. Um, from, from from what I, I was told, and I know me and Jason talked about this a lot, and um, me and uh, you know my co-host NFC Game Boy, you know, we had talked to some people within, uh, you know, Punk, you know, of course, and Bruce, you know, he being one of the boys and in the business, you know, Punk was he was uh, burnt out, uh, of course, issues with the, you know, when the network started, and I meant the buy rates and the pay-per-views, they weren't getting any, so um, Punk wasn't necessarily happy. He wasn't happy with his run. Of course, he was champ for over a year, but he figured, you know, he wanted to be on top, work with trips again. He wasn't happy about some of the part-timers coming in and getting more of the spotlight, like, you know, the Brocks and um, the Hogan's, you know, Sting, you know, eventually trying to come in. And, you know, a lot of the part-timers getting the, getting the spotlight. So that that was about what we were told by sources that kind of combinated to punk leaving. Um, I do know it stated events. There will be events are definitely trying to um, wash their hands with you know you know fans keep chanting CM Punk CM Punk and 
they're confiscated. Any time that says Senior Punk, um, any chance that you may hear on a tape episode, they'll try to, you know, edit them out. Um, so that's the stage you right figure, there. You know, it reminds me a bit of reminds me a bit of back in the day with Brett and Vinny and all like that. You know, and they finally, uh, you know, I think they took way too long to finally, you know, kind of bury the hatchet and go back. You know, it almost got to the point where it was, you know, uh, past, you know, the uh, expiry date or something. But, yeah, you'd figure that the two of them would be smart enough, you know, the two companies or CM and Vince or whoever would be smart enough to, uh, you know, kind of put aside the... uh, whatever, and get it while it's hot, you know, if they wait too long, you know, after a while, you know, it's not going to be anywhere near the reaction that it could be. Yeah, as far as Daniel Bryan is concerned, um, it is speculated that Daniel Bryan might have to get another neck surgery. Uh, I do know that the original plan, the plans as of now, because, you know, there do be change of stuff a lot, is to have Daniel Bryan back by the Rumble, but he might have to get another neck surgery. Of course, we'll set him back some more. So we'll just have to see with that. Yeah. That's kind of risky business. They got quite a few of their eggs in those two baskets, you know. And, uh... yeah. Um, Hello? If, 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 yeah. If, yeah, can you hear? Um. If you don't mind, T-Bruce, I want to ask something a little off-topic of, of, of the actual wrestling in the ring. Um, you know, you have an mindset that you have. What are your thoughts on the pregame show um, and the postgame shows that you do at times? Are you a fan, for, are you a fan of that, or uh, do you not like it? Which is that, the... Uh... The pregame show, you know, when they have the panel and they talk about the pay-per-view or... You know, raw. Yeah. You know, with Booker T. Yeah, you're some of that, that stuff. Yeah. Um, for me, it's a waste of time. <laughs> I, I, maybe tonight it was anyway. I saw the uh, Renee and the whatever. Uh, I can't remember their names. <laughs> Booker and uh, yeah, the whole thing didn't look to me like it was just kind of. Uh, bland filler, you know, didn't really uh, didn't do anything serve any great purpose that I could see. What was your perspective on it? Um, real quick, for you that new uh, Bob, uh, we're going to bring Bob Johnson back live. Welcome back, Bob. And he said you had a question. Yeah, I have a question for uh, for Bruce uh, yeah. and Evan. How would you guys compare the, uh, the, cell, the Hell in a Cell matches tonight to matches like uh match that Mick Foley and uh Undertaker had a few years back. Is there any comparison? No. In my my opinion no. I would say Mick and uh, Undertaker set the bar pretty high. I, yeah. I saw some pretty damn good cage matches back in the Stampede days with like Dynamite and Brett and Dynamite and Bad News Allen that were, uh, you know, you don't hate to sound partisan, but, you know, a hell of a lot better than what I saw tonight. But, 
I thought I thought they were, you know, I I preferred Orton and Cena to the uh, last one because, as I said before, there's almost too much overkill in the last one, and uh, but that in itself, you know, I, I think it's almost too much to have two Hell in a Cells, uh, two cage matches on one card. You know, it's uh, it's like having steak and lobster, and then uh, having. Uh, you know, some other uh, main course, you know, after you've had a dessert, uh, you know, something like that. It's, it's almost too much. And I, I know I've never have ever booked two cage matches on the same show in Calgary or anything like that. You know, we had more than enough talent to sustain that, you know, type of uh, fan interest. But uh, to me, I don't know, it's it almost... One what a new story. counteracts uh, so, the other. It doesn't serve any great purpose, I don't think. It's a little bit not noisy, but it, when it, the fan is on, yeah. it seems to be loud. Is that same, same with your... And then it goes off. Yeah, we all still there? Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I really don't... Um, I, now, not to be biased, I really don't... Like like Bruce said, take a set the bar, set the bar pretty high. Um, I really don't compare. Uh, to me, it's no comparison to, uh, you know, the the Taker of Mankind, Taker Sean, uh, even Brock Taker, uh, Triple H, and, and Cactus. Because, you know, it, it was just a different time. Not to say you can't compare different times, but it was different. You know, it was the Attitude Era then. Things was, you know, they had a little more freedom. Uh, they, to me, back then, they used more of, um, you hear Cornette mention, uh, before interviews or how you got to use the gimmick. You know, if, you, if you're going to have a ladder match, use the ladder. If you're going to have a cage, use the cage. And too much lately in, in this era, whatever you call it, uh, the PG era or the reality era, you see the Hell in a Cell matches and this rated PG, which limits the guys to what they can do, and he just wrestle in the ring and he don't use the Hell in a Cell as itself, you know, as a part of the match. And, and I never was a fan of that. So um, I, just, I like the older Hell in the Soul matches where they actually were on top of the cage and used it, you know, a lot more, um, a little better. So, well, we'll give credit to Cena Orton. Uh, we'll give credit to Dean and Seth. Uh, they really, they, they really, like you said, um, gave it their all. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I will say uh, it, it was the better, it was some of the better that the last three Hell in the Soul matches, this is one of the better ones that, that I've seen. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree as far as just the effort and the uh, work rate and all. You know, they certainly uh, deserve full marks. Both both matches, they certainly busted their asses and uh, balls to the wall and all that other. But uh, as I said before, I, I think there was too much and. Two two of those cage matches is one too many, and then there was way too much. Just you know, if if you're gonna have those guys doing all that in the cage match, then the other matches should be cutting back on the uh, high spots and the false finishes and the uh, foreign objects and all like that. But instead, it seemed like every match was uh, you know there must have been. Uh, 15, 20 false finishes in every match from the first one on and uh, get to the point where you didn't even expect to see uh, 
you know, a three count or anything. You get so for me, I get an sick of seeing guys, you know, two and three quarters, and the ref milking the count and all like that. You know, you know, it's like here we go again. You know, over and over and over and over again. You know, I get. I don't blame the wrestlers, but whoever's booking that stuff should be a lot more kind of uh, cut to the chase. And uh, I know back in the old days, you know, and I don't like to sound I'm living in the past, but if the guys in the opening matches were uh, doing too damn many high spots, too many false finishes, and all this other the old farts, the stompers, and the uh, guys in the main event would chew their asses out and, uh, you know, tell them you guys are like the opening act for a rock concert. You know, we're not, you're not supposed to go and smash your guitars and do all the uh, excessive stuff. And it's the same with this, you know. Uh, you know, regardless of whether every match thinks it's the main event or whatever the hell, uh, you still have to, you know, sort of... Uh, build up to the big uh, quintessential climax and you can't have too many false orgasms or whatever, you know, if by the end, you know, if you're using a sexual uh, metaphor, if you got all that going on for uh, two, three hours, by the end, it's not even a climax. It's more like kind of, uh, you know, uh, balls. you know, you know, <laughs> It's like an ordeal, uh, an ordeal more than an orgasm, you know. So, yeah, my we, perspective, we you know. Call, yeah, we here in the states, but, we call that blue balls. Yeah, you, you get all worked yeah. up, and, and 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 then you know, uh, you know, really can't release or climax. You know, it's off or not. <laughs> Jason, um, <laughs> Bruce, is it okay if we keep uh, Jason off a little bit longer? Get his perspectives. Is, is that fine? Oh, that's fine. I appreciate it. It's always nice to hear uh, an enlightened perspective. You know, I uh, <laughs> don't get a chance to hear intelligent <laughs> perspectives that oh. often. You know, so it's nice that's to right. hear somebody Jason, who you, actually applies some you let, rational you, thought to it and isn't got an agenda or isn't trying to kiss somebody's sure. sphincter or some such thing, you know, so... Well, uh, Jason, what was your thoughts on? Um, and I know, I know Bob. Um, Bob asked a question about the Hell in a Cell matches uh, tonight compared to uh, the yesteryear. Um, what was your thoughts? Do you think that they can compare or no? No, I don't think they can. I mean, first of all, you had Cena and Randy Orton. They stayed in the ring most of the time, and it got pretty boring to me because you don't. You, Hell in a Cell is supposed to be for like a weapon. And then you had Ambrose oh, yeah, and Rollins. supposed to be trying to escape, you know. You know, that's always supposedly the reason for having one of these is the heel can't escape, but they still try to escape. But they, they didn't even do that, which kind of, you know, contradicted the purpose, too. And then you had Ambrose and Rollins was more of the um, kind of like TV-14 era. You know, but then they ended it with, like, it was a really great match, and then you ended it with some, like, Bray Wyatt random, you know, shocker. I was like, okay, yeah. why don't you just let them wrestle and end the match physically, not have somebody else interfere into the, into the rivalry? Made no yeah, sense. I totally agree. I, you know, I think they, that's part of the problem with WWE is all too often they get a bit too cute. 
or too clever for their own good. You know, they think they they're constantly striving to do something that is going to, uh, you know, grab everyone or something like that. But I don't know what the uh, the pretext or what the the reason for Bray Wyatt, and I'm not sure whether they're going to have Seth Rollins now become part of the Wyatt family or or what the hell, you know. I, I, don't, I don't know. From what I've been hearing that make about any that, great I've been hearing the Wyatt family is going to go more with the Ascension from NXT, and that's kind of a slap in the face to WWE because the Ascension is terrible. Yeah, I've heard that story too. That one guy, I think, was out of. He's one of the guys we trained out here back in the day. That Eric or whatever his name is, Apocalypse or I don't know what. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I I I find sometimes it gets a bit too. They get a bit too complicated, or you know, uh, try to come up with all these you know, kind of obscure things like that nonsense with the Miz and uh, the, the other idiot, <laughs> you know, Sandow uh, so or whatever. But, but yeah, I don't know. It seems like they start stuff and then they stop, you know. Like I remember not that many, not that long ago, they were pushing the hell out of uh, Nexus and all of that, and it seemed to just die in... You know, all of a sudden, just stop. And um, I'm not sure if the Wyatt family's doing that as well now. I, mean, you know, I don't. I don't know. They keep bringing up the new promos where, like, the pregnant lady at the end has like a "It's coming" tattooed on her stomach. I'm like, what is that? It's kind of weird. Because, like, what is inside the what is what is the um the message behind the pregnant woman? I haven't he's, seen uh, those ones birth. yet, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's I think, I, I think the bottom line is there's too many cooks in the kitchen, and unfortunately, quite a few of them don't have a, any idea how to cook in the first place, you know. So that you and, know, I uh, and, and come to kind of think of it too is uh, something that just dawned on me, and I kind of feel so funny that it is dead. So many people ask who Sister Abigail is. Um, now, my my thoughts is she isn't necessarily necessarily a uh, physical person. It's more so like a deity and who he follows. Because you no, know, he's the, you know Bray is the cult leader. He is that, that creepy cult, and he answers I guess to a higher power. So a lot of people tend to ask me, ask around, who's Sister Abigail? Is Sister Abigail coming? Well, none of I don't believe Sister Abigail is a is a physical being. Whether she's more of a deity that Bray, you know, it's Bray's higher power, if you will, that he follows and listens to you for guidance on how he um, seeks out. I'm not sure how, how y'all feel about that, if you agree, but uh, that, that's my viewpoint on that. I mean, I do yeah. agree. I think I think Sister Abigail is a ghost. But, I mean, why did they ever drop the children of the Wyatt family? That was a great concept. Well, they dropped it for part of the WWE's problem is they start these things and fan the flames and they just stop them, you know. Uh, I, I've seen it over and over over the last few years. They push something and you think it's going to be 
the next big thing and all this other and then uh they just sort of abruptly stop, you know, they did that with Wade Barrett and that bunch, you know, and then for a while they were doing some of that with uh, Ryback and Feed Me More and then all of a sudden he's doing jobs, you know, and, <laughs> and they got Sandow and Cody and Cody's doing the nose picking and did all this hygienic crap and then all of a sudden he's a face for a while and he's stardust again and, you know, it's like they seem to stop and start, you know, and, uh, it, 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 it I don't know what the method to the madness is, you know. It, it, it's something we, we clearly didn't even didn't even touch on with Hell in a Cell. It's uh, the tag team title match. Uh, the Usos, uh, we call them Kishi's kids, um, against uh, Goldust and Stardust. Um, Bruce, um, what was your thoughts on that match? Uh, did you enjoy it? I, I, I thought know they were trying did, hard. There was no wrestling. All it was was uh, what we would call in the old days uh, high spot fest. It was just, I think, they must have done a thousand false finishes in that match. And uh, <laughs> it's all cool, you know, to do false finishes. But if you don't have any wrestling to set them up, it didn't, uh, for me, it didn't really grab me. I thought that I thought they were all trying hard, you know. But by the end, I was more like just relieved that it was over I wasn't really like wow that was a hell of a match or anything like that you know it's almost like it's, after it's, a while it's, um, it was just... it's a running joke we, we tend to have you know uh, the guys on my show under the mat radio and I've even told Jay and uh, Toph and even Jason is um, my good buddy my cousin who you know who re- watches wrestling uh, regularly um, even he mentions like oh wait a minute how many times have we didn't these guys wrestle before? And, and we all say, well, they wrestled before on Raw, and they wrestle again tomorrow night, and they wrestle on SmackDown, and we still going to all the old WWE pay per views that they, you know, just as a joke that they wrestled in. And we say that to say is that you have a tag division, but you only primarily showcase only two tag teams. Rob Back is hurt, so yeah. Curtis Axel disappears. You, you know, of course you have Slater Gator, but you can't take them seriously because they're in a the comedy role. What the hell happened to Lost Matadors? After that, who do you really have as a you know as a tag team to really go after the match, to go after the titles? And like I like Goldust and Stardust. I really like them. I like them better as heels. Um, I'm glad that Cody found Stardust, give him a little you know a second life, third, fourth life to his career. Uh, I know Dustin. Um, we had the pleasure to meet him before and talk with him. I, I know he really worked hard, even though he lost weight and he got back in shape and everything. I'm really proud for him. And I, I like the Usos, but um, like you mentioned, Bruce, it was, it was a high... It was yeah, a they're all, it was all a nice guys, movie. you know. They're all... How many times are we going to see Goldust, go Stardust against the Usos we seen it on legitimately every single show, plus the pay per views. You know, you know, in my are we wrong, Bruce, for nitpicking at that, or, or, or are we right for trying to ask for more from the tag division? I've, I don't know. In my estimation, in the last few years, the tag belts have almost become of no consequence. It's usually two underneath guys who, are, you know. Um, it seems to be guys who are leftovers or throw-ins or whatever, you know, uh, wearing the belts. You know, I've, I've seen all these guys like the Matadors and um, 
you know, a bunch of others, nondescripts that I can't even remember. They all seem to be wearing the tag belts, you know, and, um, you know, I remember back in the day when you had teams like the Bulldogs and some of them, they were, you know, Legion of Doom and some of them, they, the tag belts really seemed to mean something. But for me, the last decade or so, the tag belts have almost become kind of, you know, this kind of supporting card, undercard stuff, you know, and uh, they don't really uh, seem to uh, serve any great purpose to me. I'm not sure what uh, what the point of them even is anymore. Is um in uh, J- Jason, your, your thoughts on uh, <laughs> excuse me, the, t- the tag match that just happened in Holland the Cell? Um. Tag match was very repetitive. I've seen it every other day. I mean, whatever happened, well, it was it was actually like when they had Stardust and Gold Dust wrestle Rybaxel fifty fifty times a week, and then they they, they vanished Rybaxel, and then they replaced him with the Usos. So I'm like, yeah, okay, so what what is the point of that? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Quite honestly, when I was watching it tonight, I. <laughs> I actually didn't even know Stardust and Goldust were the tag champions till they said they were. You know, that's how insignificant the tag belts have become to me. I was like, uh, I didn't even realize. And I'm not sure if it was even the title match tonight, but it didn't mean a damn thing to me. You know, like in the old days, I remember the tag belts actually meant something, you know, and they yeah. had some pretty uh, strong teams wearing them, you know. But, it's become and, almost kind of just a throwaway. And you know, and and I and I'm I'm blessed that um, you know, I, I'm blessed that in in Jason too and uh, NSC Game Boy, we got we we grew up around uh, the times of the great tag teams, you know, of the '80s and '90s. You know, I, I grew up watching, you know, your family, Bruce, with, you know, the, the Bulldogs and Matilda, Dynamite and Davey and, you know, Bruce and, and um, you know, I even yeah, knew about Bruce like... and yeah, Keith Hart and, you know, and, you know, Brett and, uh, you know, Brett and Anvil, Demolition, the Road Warriors, the Russians, the Horsemen, Minnesota Wrecking Crew, the Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, Cornet, you know, you can keep, you can go on a strike force, the Killer Bees. It was... Of, of so many, you could have, you could have just had a federation by itself of tag teams, and you know, yeah, even was six some... man tags back when they were big. <laughs> yeah, I, and those. The other thing that uh, I might add is, back in the day, tag matches had a certain, you know, there was a certain pattern to them. I, I'm not seeing that anymore. I'm just seeing this sort of. Uh, hodgepodge, you know, there used to be a very uh, pronounced story in the hot tag and the hot comeback and the, uh, you know, you'd go home from there or the the heels would pull something, you know, but there was a very pronounced psychology to tag matches and and I don't even see that anymore, you know, it's, uh, I don't see the hot tag and the big sell and the uh, false tag and all those things that used to be such a big part of the the whole tag psychology, you know, and I don't see any of that. It's just sort of like a hodgepodge and high spots and 
false finishes and all this other, but virtually no wrestling. You know, they don't tell any story. There's no pattern to it. It's just sort of like uh, I don't even. I, I find I find it hard to watch those matches. You know, because uh, from my perspective, they're you know uh, ass backwards and don't make a hell of a lot of sense. Right. Um, so, uh, G- Jason, your thoughts on on um, tag wrestling uh, right now? With you know, uh, you growing up, or how your memories of tag teams as opposed to now? I mean, yeah, my my favorite tag teams are probably Road Warriors, New Age Outlaws. At least when they had like teams that could work together, and the only team that could work together now is Stardust and the Usos. And I'm just like, you know, you only you only put like four tag two tag teams in a division and that's kinda like repetitive. Like back in the day when they had like a lot of tag teams. I mean, I don't care if WWE puts like random two random people together and make a tag team, that's what they do these days. And then they just break them apart like it's not relevant. I totally agree. At the very least they should keep them together for a while. Yeah, I don't even like, know of I, any other teams right now other than the two you mentioned. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Maybe they like think they were some sad though or some damn thing. Or like they were building the team of Biggie Langston and Kofi Kingston, and then they buried them. And I'm just like, why? Oh yeah, and right back in Axel <laughs> or our <laughs> truth. Was a Rob Bad Fool. <laughs> I it, mean, it, it, in it, my in my opinion, I feel that the Usos. Like maybe one day should like split apart and go separate ways, and see how they do singles career, because they're both talented, but they never had them wrestle by themselves. Yeah, I think they're. I like the Usos, and they seem like there's some something there, but something missing though. Like another, neither one of them seems to have a very distinctive, compelling personality. I'm not sure what their finish really is. You know, there's certain things you have to put in place to get guys over. And uh, for me, I'm not even that big on all the uh, pre-match, whatever they do, you know, with the the dancing or the whatever the heck they do at the top of the (laughs) runway. There's, there's like something missing there, you know. It doesn't really like ignite me. Like, whoa, you know, they really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hot. You know, I am more likely to go take a piss than stick around and watch it. You know. I mean, the thing. Go, 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 Jason, go ahead. I mean, it would it would be a lot better if they came out and they came out with like an island theme music. But they start doing that Samoan tribal thing, and then it comes up to like a rap song. And I'm like, this makes no sense. And I'm like, yeah, why are they going from? Oh. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. You know, like I'm not sure what you know exactly. You hit the nail on the head because it seems like they do a bit of the Samoan tribal stuff, which I'm not that up on all that anyway. And then, then it seems to. You know, all of a sudden switch to uh, some kind of, uh, you know, rap music or hip hop or some such thing. I'm not sure what, you and know. And then... another, 
another question is, why did they ever break apart Tamina Snooker with Usos? So yep. compatible, huh? Yeah, she even was with Yeah, I'm not sure if some of those people are even on the roster anymore. They, I, I see them get a moderate push, and then I see them just seem they seem to just disappear. I'm not sure if Tamina's even on the roster anymore. I don't, don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, for a one. I, I know I don't want to bring this up, but what, what was your thoughts on the um, page and? Um, AJ match for the ninetieth time. It was okay, but I, I think forget. you hit the nail on the head. Just you know, for the ninetieth time, you know, I've, you know, uh, in its own way, it it's sort of a you know a microcosm of what's wrong with the divas. There's, I'm not sure why they even have divas champions. They have virtually no divas anymore, you know, and uh, you know the belt seems to me. You know, almost kind of superseded by the uh, the nonsense with the Bella Twins. Anyway, you know, like uh, mm. <laughs> for me, the Bella Twin, you know, the two girls matches is the exact same syndrome as the two cage matches. You know, uh, in the old days, you'd have one girls match that was more than enough, and uh, you'd have one cage match and that's more than enough, and they got two girls matches and two cage matches and. You know, it's to me uh, overkill and needless overkill. They don't need to. Uh, but, but I thought they, I thought they worked hard, you know. But I'm not sure that didn't didn't. That's uh, another match. If it wasn't on the card, I I wouldn't have been asking for my money back. <laughs> you know, that's about the way I could describe that. But I thought they tried hard, you know. They were... Yeah, they they tried hard, but I don't understand why they keep having Paige pair up some with some random woman, and then she turns against them. Makes no sense. Yeah, well, it's it's like you said, the same old for the ninetieth time. It's almost every match they've had's been more or less along the same lines as what they had tonight. As I recall, you know, they go out and work hard and do some good spots and do all the, the but yeah it's like you've seen it 90 times you know it's maybe a time that they found some new dancing partners for either one of them you know like I don't know I'm, like I'm not craving you know chomping at the bit to see the next 91st match of Paige and uh, AJ you know I'm not sure what what more they have that's gonna appeal to me, and at the same time, I don't know of any other divas that you know seem to be primed to be fighting either one of them either. You know, there seems to be anything else that's you know been uh, kind of uh, hyped, or they haven't planted any seeds for anything else. The divas for me right now are almost kind of you know there's not not much there. You know, whoever's out there, the next hot diva, you know, and I couldn't name her. I don't even know who, you know, who they have. You know, they got Natalia and a few others, but none of them are really, uh, you know, 
such that you're going, oh, I need to see Natalia fight uh, Paige or AJ or one of the Bellas fight, you know. It seems mm-hmm. to be all um, kind of dead uh, in the water. Real quick, Bruce, um, Jason, I believe we have another caller. Um, are you cool? 706, I believe this is in Georgia. Welcome to Heartbeats Radio with Bruce Hart, Tech, and Jason Hevel from uh, Indie Wrestling Q&A. Hey. All right, come on, Tech. You really got to get it in the rise by now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is Toe from Four Wrestling Powerhouses, buddy. I'm just listening to you guys. Uh, all right, did, did you want to add anything about Helen the Cell or anything with Tom the Buddy? Just wanted to, uh, just to listen in. Oh, well, you know, you guys already just went over most of the card, I'm sure. All, all um, As far as, you know, since you guys were talking about AJ and Paige, all, all I'll say is um, the AJ Page feud, uh, along with the uh, treatment booking of the Wyatt family, is pretty much the main reason why I don't watch NXT. Um, a lot of wrestling fans get angry at me when they say, how come you don't watch NXT, Toph, man? It's the best wrestling company out there. You're not really a real wrestling fan. Well, you see, I don't watch NXT because, you know, the wrestling's better. That's cool. The stories is better. That's cool. But, you know, the truth is is that eventually all these dudes and ladies are going to get called to the main roster so it's like, why should I get invested in these dudes, become impressed with them, only for them to get called to the main roster? And it's just become very apparent that the main roster has no idea, the creative team has just no idea what they're doing. I mean, Big E was a monster in NXT, and he kissed WWE, and he's just some generic guy with no personality. Bo Dallas has a little, you know, a little streak going, and then he loses against R-Truth randomly, and now he's just nowhere to be seen. The Wyatt family, they're fighting The Shield. They're fighting Daniel Bryan. Next thing you know, they fight John Cena. That's it. Here's Paige. I remember hearing all this hype about Paige, how she's the anti-diva and how she's going to be the savior of the Divas division. Here she is, jobbing every week, doing nothing. So it's like, what? what's the point? Why watch NXT? They're just going to get called up to the main roster and not be used correctly. So I don't, I don't, I don't see the point of watching. I think it's a good perspective. My, my candid estimation, you know, maybe from an old school perspective, NXT shouldn't even be, uh, you know, WWE fans shouldn't even be seeing that. You know, in the old days when you'd have guys from one territory, nobody would know what the hell uh, they had done before they they come to a, a new territory and, uh, you know, they would hit the ground like some kind of hot new explosive thing, you know. But for me, NXT defeats the purpose. you got all these guys, you know, and all these whatever roles in NXT and then uh, they, uh, all too often they bring them in and I, I totally agree with you. They... For whatever reason, they seem to job them or turn them, you know, change their characters or, you know, deviate from whatever the hell they've been doing to get them over. And it seems to be a common pattern, though. All these guys who are coming up from NXT, they they get a little push, and then all of a sudden they get squashed by some, um, you know, star, and then they seem to go downhill after that, and then they fade to oblivion and I'm not sure where they even go from there or whether they go back to NXT or they go to TNA or they're on indie circuits or what the hell but I've seen a lot of these guys that seem to uh, have a lot of potential and then they hit the scene and shortly thereafter they're relegated to uh, anonymity or obscurity which is 
you know, uh, real quick, Bruce. I, I think I believe we we have another caller, Bruce. Is that okay if I bring him in? Sure, whatever. Okay. I believe it's Arico eight six zero. This is Connecticut. Welcome to Heartbeat Radio with Bruce Hart, Tack Tove, and Jason. Yeah, it's Nate. What's up? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Um, you're on live with Bruce Hart, Heartbeat Radio. Did you um want to add anything into uh Helen and Cell tonight and give your thoughts? Uh, no, I just want to say one thing. We got to have Owen Hart in the Hall of Fame, and if not, I'm gonna kick your leg out of your leg. Owen Hart. Hall of Fame. Come on, Vince. Get it done. Yeah, I've been saying that, and I also say Dynamite and okay. Davey Boy, too. Thanks, Nate. Uh, yeah. All three of them, you know, they, uh, if they don't belong, I don't know who the hell does, you know. So. Thanks, Nate. Anything else you want to add into? Yeah, no, I, th- I thought the pay-per-view was good, Helen Cell. You know, or, I mean, you got, you're got you getting three feuds out of the whole thing. You got Orin and Rollins, you got Cena and Lesnar, and then you got Bray and uh, Ambrose, so... You know, the payoff might be good, you know, even though the pay-per-view was okay. I think the payoff might be good in in the end. So hopefully we get some good uh, build-up. I know the Royal Rumble, that's one of my favorite pay-per-views, the Rumble match. So hopefully we get some good uh, good months coming, you know? Well, you know. I hope so, you know. I'm beyond everything thank else, thank I'm still a fan. I yeah, still like to see wrestling putting its best foot forward. Um, Real quick, Bruce, uh, you and Mommy asking this, and then I'll, um, it's okay if I ask Tof and J- Jason this, too. Um, since you're talking about Hell in the Cell, um, Bruce, in your opinion, and, and get your opinion first real quick, your, your, when you think of Hell in the Cell, what do you... Who uh, do the you, overall you card tonight? No, 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 not not tonight. The match itself. What is the best Hell in the Cell match can, that you think of, in your opinion? Um, the best Hell in the Cell. <laughs> it might sound funny, I... I I actually thought from a wrestling perspective, maybe the best match on the card was uh, the opening match with Dolph. And, no, I mean, uh, okay, no, I mean the Hell in the Cell match itself, not 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 the pay per view tonight. There's how the Hell in the Cell matches in the history of Hell in the Cell. What's the best Hell in the Cell match that that you think has happened? I think, like you were saying before, the best one I've recall was maybe Undertaker and Foley back in the day, you know. That that would have been... Uh, but uh, Tonight's, I thought Cena's and Orton's was better than... I, I, I thought it was better than Rollins and Ambrose. Uh, I think Ambrose and Rollins tried hard, but uh, way too much. You know, way too much. Especially after the fans had already seen everything they had already seen, but got the... Uh, Noble, uh, Jamie Noble and Mercury in there, and you got the fake ambulance carryout and the neck braces and the body boards. And <laughs> there's so damn much that uh, by the end it was almost like, uh, you know, I, I had already sort of like lost a lot of my interest because of that. But as I said before, give them credit, they were. You know, they were trying hard. It wasn't like they were dragging their asses or anything, but it was way too much. You know, too many cooks in the kitchen, I believe, you know, too many people trying to, uh, you know, uh, put their two bits worth in. And I'd, I'd love to see one match where I never, uh, one card or show where I actually never saw anyone go under the 
effing ring and pull out a chair or a kendo stick or a hand grenade or a jackhammer or baseball bat or whatever the hell, you know, atomic bomb or whatever the hell, you know, just actually have just, you know, some wrestling, you know. I don't think I've seen a, a WWE pay-per-view in the last 20 years where they didn't go under the ring at least half a dozen times, you know, so... Hey, uh, J- Jason, what was your favorite uh, um, Hell in a Cell match? Um, my favorite would probably be uh, Undertaker, Mankind. I like the Shawn Michaels, Triple H, because I love that rivalry they had. Um, that would be pretty much my favorite, too. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, uh, great, great minds think alike, I guess. <laughs> But um, so? yeah, I uh, I think those ones you were met- mentioning, you know, um, there was a lot more reason for having them in the first place, and there was a lot more psychology and build up to the climax in both those matches, and, and not just relentless overkill, but but so? but yeah, um, I don't really pay attention to Hell in a Cell like that. I don't really have too many to memorize. Uh, the only one that I really remember off the top of my head is the uh, the Taker-Brock Lesnar one. I thought that one was pretty good. It was one of the more underrated ones. No one really talks about it that much, but I like that one. You love that one. Um, <clears throat> I see for me, uh, uh, it's kind of hard for me to pick one. Uh, of course, you gotta you got you to gotta give honorable mention to the first Hell in a Cell. Uh, Michaels and Taker, but uh, I know by default a lot of people going to mention Foley and Taker, which, which was a great Hell in a Cell, but to me, my overall favorite Hell in a Cell, uh, and this would be a close one and one and um, one A, I have to say Brock and Taker from uh, okay, No Mercy, I believe, was it No Mercy? Um, yeah, it was No Mercy. O two, yeah, O two O three. Yeah, to me that was, to me in my opinion that was my favorite personal. Hell in a Cell um, match. Cause it, Brock was in his prime. Taker at the time was still able to move around. The match build was great. I mean, it, it just was a it was a great build. Uh, Heyman got involved. It was it was great. And um, big two also I love was the Triple H Shawn Michaels Hell in a Cell. It almost lasted almost an hour. It was like forty five minutes. It told a great story of Michaels and Taker and, and I'm sorry, Michaels Taker. I'm sorry, Michaels and Triple H. Uh, I remember a pretty good one going going back close to 20 years or maybe more than 20 years Brett and Owen had a pretty good oh yeah uh, cage match or whatever in Chicago at, uh, was that SummerSlam I believe it would have been back in the early 90s so it would have been over 20 years ago so. and that, that was it, uh, yeah. that was where uh, Nightheart and uh, I think they had a bunch of us trying to climb the cage and Bunch of other stuff, but I remember from work rate, it was a pretty good match. Brett and Owen, they had pretty, uh, uh, did some pretty good stuff, you know. And so, and and, and I, I'll, I'll even say to you, and I'll mention this before, um, it's not just something I'm just saying because you know, I, um, I'm able to be on the show with you today. Is one of my favorite cage matches, period, was Brett and Owen from SummerSlam. And, and no, that was the big blue bar cages. Remember those? 
um, that WWE used to use. To this day, that was to this day that's one of my favorite cage matches of all time. Is um, I actually Brett prefer Norman. you know I, I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but back back in the day, cage matches the cage was right at the uh, right enclosed the ring. I'm not a I'm not a big a fan of these where you have the, the cage come down and they have like wrestlers fight, fighting on the floor enclosed in the cage. To me, that's for me it's kind of lame. You know, um, I remember used to do spots for the guys who go flying into the you know they have a guy tied up in the ropes and the guy would move and they'd go right into the cage and they're big guys trying to climb up and try to get out of the cage from the the ring and all like that. And, uh, for, I'm not sure why WWE, I think they like the idea of lowering the big cage. Maybe that's their, you know, rationale or something. I, I by far prefer the old where the cage was right flush up against the ring, you know, and there was uh, no escape and guys were trying to climb out and there's a lot, you know, there's a lot more suspense where you had that kind of uh, thing where the heel was trying to escape and guys going to the top and that's one element that seems to be missing. Hey, um, since you guys are uh, talking about cage matches, uh, I don't, I don't read dirt sheets anymore, and I take pride in not reading them anymore. It really takes no, away. I haven't read them in twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going on about two years, but. Uh, I, I heard a report earlier this week. Uh, well, not a report, but I'm hearing some, you know, like when you just scroll through your Facebook feed and you just see some posts and stuff every now and then. Um, I, I heard earlier, like around, like, I think Friday, Saturday, something about WWE is considering getting rid of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view altogether oh, that yeah. they're currently right, looking. Right. Is that true? Any any truth to that? Yeah, they should be called eliminating the elimination chamber. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like I, um, eliminating uh, you know uh, <laughs> some fecal matter from their intestine or some such thing. You know. But. <laughs> well, I, 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 um, Shane, like you, I don't. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm hit my shin. I'm sorry. Um, so, like you, I, I don't really read uh, Echo Dirt Sheets uh, much, definitely with, you know, us being immediate in the shows and whatnot. I don't really pay attention to them. Uh, someone did post up on our show page and on PWP that um, that article getting rid of the Elimination Chamber. Um, if, you, if you ask me, my personal opinion, I enjoyed, and like you said, Bruce, sometimes too much, you know, you kind of desensitize things if you do something too much and, and use the analogy of sex. If you do the same thing over and over again every day, if the wall gets old, you know, it loses its luster. It's yeah. not, doesn't, you know, get that spark. Yeah. You, you know, sometimes you got to, um, you got to kind of give yourself uh, space to miss, you know, miss your wife or, uh, you know, your husband, whoever, whoever else. But, um, you know what I'm saying? Just because of hell in the cell, like you says all the time. Um, I was more of a fan for Elimination Chamber after years than the Hell in the Cell because they actually had to use the element, the actual chamber itself. But um, the day for the Hell in the Cell, I mean, that's fine. I'm not really a big fan of gimmick pick views as it is. Um, but um, what's your thoughts? Jason, your thoughts on 
uh, if WWE do eliminate <laughs> the Elimination Chamber, as Bruce said. Yeah, I mean, um, the Elimination Chamber was just another gimmick match that they could just get rid of. Because if you think about it, it's just like a little mini Royal Rumble into inside a cage match. Yeah, and I refer to it as addition by subtraction. I'd be better off without it. I don't. I don't. And I'm you not know a that fan of the, having gimmick matches for the sake of having gimmick matches anyway. If if you built up some big climax or some big scenario and you finally had to culminate by having a damn hell in the cell or a elimination chamber, then then it makes sense, you know, but I hate it when they just have gimmick matches for the sake of having gimmick matches and there's no pretext or build-up for it. It's just sort of like we're, we're going to have the elimination chamber or hell in the cell or hardcore or every match being a gimmick match or... You know, to me, the it's uh, the tail wagging the dog, or it's ass backwards, and it's all too often the case these days we, with we, them in DNA too, where they just have gimmicks for the sake of having gimmicks. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. We we have another caller, Bruce. Um, area code four two three. Welcome to Hot Beats Radio with uh, Bruce Hart, Tove Tech, and Jason. Uh, yeah, uh, Bruce, it's Chris. How are you, about Hello? 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 Yes. Yeah, Bruce, it's Chris. How are you? Oh, not bad, Chris. Yourself? Doing great. Doing great. Working entirely too much, but hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, quick question. Um, what was kind of your thoughts overall? of the show and uh, thoughts against uh, Cena versus Brock. What's that again? I speak up, but I can't quite hear. Uh, your your thoughts on the show overall and uh, uh, Cena evidently facing Brock. Um, as I said before, I, th- I thought, you know, the work rate was good. A lot of guys tried hard. You know, uh, too much of everything, too many false finishes, too many uh, gimmicks, too many chairs under the ring being used, too many, uh, all of that. But um, um, I'm not sure if Cena and Brock's styles are that compatible. You know, I don't believe they are, but... uh, I think if they uh, propagandize effectively, maybe it can uh, mean something, you know. Um, I think, you know, if if that's their, I've been hearing that's one of the uh, ostensible plans for their WrestleMania or some such thing, but um, I think they need to augment it with some other pretty strong stuff. I'm not sure what, uh, you know, what, I have no idea, obviously, what their plan is. I wonder if they do. <laughs> um, yeah, WWE doesn't know anyway. No, no, no. Uh, Chris, Chris what do you thanks think? for uh, calling in, buddy. Any, any, you, uh, you want to give your thoughts? Uh, absolutely. Uh, actually, real quick, uh, before I 
go into that. I do want to kind of push a future show as well. Uh, I believe it's going to be November 30th uh, with Lance Russell. Uh, truly always respected his work. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, uh, I, I think that's one of the things I really like doing the most on on this show is uh, paying respect to some of the legends who uh, paved the way for uh, like a couple of weeks back. We had Ric Flair and Terry Funk and Harley Race and J.J. Dillon and and company on and. I'm told that with Lance Russell, we're going to have a bunch of the legendary uh, people from the South and Tennessee in particular. So, yes, I understand. I, I'm, I'm looking Rick forward Morgan. to that. I'm hoping some of our uh, old school fans uh, check us out on that. You know, I, I hear there's going to be some really, uh, you know, kind of uh, great guests that are been involved with Lance Russell in the Tennessee promotion yeah, back in the day. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I've heard all about Lance Russell. I've uh, not had a chance to really uh, personally hook up with him. I think I met him at Cauliflower Alley. Met maybe we're at the NWA convention right. way back when, but um, that, that should be a real treat just hearing his perspectives and I, I'm told that he's still sharp as a tack and uh, I'd love to hear some of his views on uh, wrestling then and now yeah most definitely and uh, if I understand correctly uh, Ricky Morton and I've heard of the possibility yeah another great guy I, uh, you know I, uh, I, I certainly you know uh gives me uh I I'm honored to have people like Lance Russell and Ricky Morton and Harley and Terry and Rick and Mick Foley and guys like that, you know, it uh it's certainly uh an honor to I'm honored that they see fit to even come on, you know. It makes me feel good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris and uh, Chris if you could um let us know um, if anybody interested for us getting tickets or uh, a website, anything to plug for this event. For what you, is you said there's a show. Yeah, um, you said the show coming out November, uh, I believe thirtieth. Uh, you said the twenty ninth. Is there where anybody uh, can get tickets or November thirtieth? Yeah, uh, Ricky Morton's actually going to be on Heartbeat Radio. Okay. Yeah, and I'm told. I'm told. Uh, some other special guests that are going to be on uh, on that same show. I'll up uh, to check with my producer Bob Johnson and find out a bit more about. I, yeah, I heard definitely about Ricky Morton and, and Lance Russell, and uh, I heard yeah. there's several other people from that era that are supposed to be coming on as special guests, and so I'm. I'm Looking forward to just sitting back and hearing all the uh, Tennessee stories. And I've actually yeah. heard a possibility of Matt Hardy calling in on that show as well. So that should definitely be. A yeah, story. I've heard that before. Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy and uh, 
maybe Jeff Jarrett calling again, and uh, I even heard yeah. Jerry the King might be uh, gracing the show with a, a call too. So and those are some iconic names from Tennessee for sure. Most definitely. Great. Well, Chris, thanks much, man. For, uh, thank you much, Chris, for calling in. Absolutely. Uh, Bruce, always a pleasure to speak with you, buddy. Yeah, thanks for seeing fit to call. Uh, you know, uh, you certainly are a, you know, a very well-respected member of the the Southern Wrestling Fraternity, too. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm delighted that you uh, see fit to follow us and uh you know i welcome your calls at any time you know i always enjoy hearing what you have to say absolutely uh i, I do truly appreciate that take care bruce all right thank you You too all the best chris uh god bless thank you that's chris um real quick i got one more thing to go over for helen to sell bruce if you don't mind uh, just want to make yeah. sure, uh, Tove, Tove, Jason, we still got you on? Yes. Okay, you yeah, got Jason, Tove, you still on? Okay. Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, we, we, we didn't, we didn't mention, uh, not, not that we were really excited to, to bring this up, but of course, um, for the sake of covering the whole pay-per-view, Brie Bella and Nikki Bella, I, I fell asleep mm-hmm. on this match. Uh, of course, the winner would have to be, <laughs> one seven for thirty days. Of course, we knew he was going to win this. Uh, Nikki goes over uh, first. Bruce, I'm, I pretty much have an idea what you're going to say, but uh, l- l- let us know Bruce your thoughts on this uh, this spectacular match. <laughs> we got the witness. What was your take on that, Evan? What uh, What did you think of it? Uh... Um. Yeah, okay, well, I don't mind. I'll get my take and move it around. Um, I fell asleep, didn't really care about the match too much. Is Nikki and Bree, this feud should continue on Total Divas. The match could have been a pre-show match. You could have added uh, a match that could have meant more or gave one of the other matches more time. I don't know, like Ziggler and Cesaro. But uh, I didn't care much to the match. I knew Nikki was going to go over, and, of course, the BS promo, her dumping, what, what was it, parfait, a smoothie, what the hell it was. It, it's stupid. I don't get it. Milkshake. Uh, milkshake, smoothie, stupid. I don't get it. And 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 you dump the you dump the smoothie on Brie Bella, Nate Brown's wife, and then you say go get it, and then you get in your car just to sit. Maybe I'm looking too stupid. Why would you talk to your sister the way you did, and then just get in your car and just sit and wait for it but anyway? Waste of time for me. I, I was falling asleep, and everybody yeah. else was. Um, I tend J- to Jason, agree. Your, your thoughts? Um, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to say this without laughing. I mean, the match was overall real like predict- predictable. I mean, Nikki Bella's not a bad wrestler. It's just that the storyline was like, who really cares about twin sisters fighting? when they could have it on, like, the reality show. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I agree. So? Yeah, that's another one that, if it hadn't been on the card, I don't think I would have <laughs> been too concerned. Yeah, you know? um, you know, yeah uh, screw, this, 
Yeah, Tech, uh, screw this match. Let me tell you a more productive story on another match. Let's let's talk about Cena Orton. You, you know what this match was? So like, was it the 199th time they wrestled with the same result 90% of the time? I the millions. Yeah, see, here's what the Cena-Orton match was. See, this match was like that time, and everyone knows what I'm talking about. This match was that time you went over to that chick's house, and you know for a fact you're getting laid, but before you get laid, you got to watch that chick flick, and you're like, oh, man, I want to watch this crap, and it's like two hours. So, like, you put that fake smile on your face because you know you're going to get laid at the end of it. You know, that, that's what this match was, you know? Yeah, pretty much a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce, do you know anything yeah. about that? Um, Bruce <laughs> Yeah, it's been there, done that, you know, whatever. <laughs> Some of us still dealing with it today. I've I, I yeah. uh, been with my wife for going on four years, so, yeah, it's still yeah. Uh, it's not, not not really so much that we're forced to. You just, you know, certain things are just best for business. That's uh, best, best, <laughs> best for your relationship. <laughs> hey, honey, watch this. Okay, it's good to watch it. You know, don't want to deal with being upset. Not that we're jelly bags, but uh, you know, hey, happy wife, happy yeah. life, Bruce. <laughs> right there. <laughs> hey, uh, I can't forget yeah. Jason. Uh, Jake Jason's married, so uh, you know, I'm sure Jason agrees. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. My the only one yeah, that, I think that was a, a good analogy. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, my wife yeah. watches. Divas, and I tell my wife that no one cares about Divas wrestling anymore because they don't even have that many, you know, all Divas wrestling is for men is to watch women come out in scantily clad clothing, be all attractive and sexy. That's all the men care about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a while back on the show, we had Awesome Kong and a bunch of these traditional girl wrestlers on and I actually think that uh that 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 would be uh maybe something WWE should keep in mind. I think that at this point it would be better to bring some big ugly sweat hog or some big I mean monstrous uh at least bring back whatever. China or somebody. Yeah, awesome con or whatever and just you know, squash some of these little, uh, you know, glorified strippers or whatever the hell. It's all, all the Divas division today is is high school. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some big, ugly monster, you know, whatever the hell you want to call them, come in and uh, destroy some of these little Cupid dolls and, uh, you know, get some serious heat and... I could see. Something I could, from... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know about the uh, yeah, uh, about the female thing. You know how a lot of male wrestlers just don't care about that. I think I was looking at one of those uh, episodes on the WWE Network of the Monday Night War, and it was one of the earlier episodes, and it was a little entry talking about the Nitro Girls, and I never really put much thought into the Nitro Girls, particularly because at the time I was, you know, I was a little kid. I was like, I don't know maybe 11, 12-ish, sort of. But, you know, Bishop said the Nitro girls, you know, they were just there for the fans, you know, during the commercial breaks. They would just dance and, and do performances, and the guys liked it. And, you know, that at the time, 
that was just something that WCW was doing, you know, that WWE just did not have an answer for, you know. Uh, a lot of guys Yo. would tune in just to see these chicks dance. And Vince, he saw that, and so he took advantage. And, you know, that's where Sable came in and um, who else came in? You know, China, you know, back when she was more normal looking, I guess. And, you know, you know, just chicks like that, you know, more and more females came in. And before you know it, they were able to revive Lita the Divas division. That, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. But at the first, though, like, when before it became, like, a legitimate Divas division, you know, at first it was really just, you know, a half-naked woman all the time, you know. So, you know, that is really what they're there for. I mean, I know there's still some fans out there that do genuinely enjoy women's wrestling, but it just looks like the majority of I think a little just, goes a long way, you know, back in the day when of the territories, the girls would come in maybe once a year for a couple of weeks and people satisfied their appetite i think it's you know when you got the divas on every night it's almost too much and it's there's no novelty or anything you know it's like having the damn midgets every night or something you know it's like uh you know i'm not sure what you do with divas farm them out or something for me if, if i saw them maybe once or twice a year that's more than enough i don't need to see them Every damn night and the tits and ass and all the other bullshit. You it, know, right? We will say that uh, one thing's for sure, real quick. And I know, I know we're um, running to about on the ten minutes left in the show. Um, we 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 pretty much can can assure you that on Raw tomorrow night, at least half of these matches we'll get to watch again. Um, it's normal Raw. I don't know if y'all noticed that. I know Toph did and Jason that uh, when you after you watch a pay per view or whatever they call it now monthly specials, the Raw afterwards have the same matches that it did the night before. It does. So pretty much, do, do you believe? Except you're probably gonna see some Zarbones and Glue. And um, no, at, uh, they might have um, Miz and uh, Miz, Miz, Miz Dow and Cesaro wrestle Sheamus Ziggler. And some random guy, they put in a six-man tag. Right. Or they have the Usos. I I don't know. It's just so like I mean, know, the, they fight every week. Usos and, and, and uh, Go Dust are started fight every week. It's like Bo Dallas storyline with Mark Henry. They finally ended it. <laughs> did they? Did but I know, I know, I know. Bo Dallas is going to come out and do some stupid. You know, I mean, I like Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas is a good guy. He's got potential. But why they have him wrestle old old farts like Mark Henry, who can't? I think they almost killed his potential. I don't know how how you take him seriously, or like. I see this like this, sort of like the Cody Rhodes syndrome. You know, they've had him in so many roles. Like, I have trouble taking Cody serious as Stardust when I've seen him doing whatever he's done for the last four or five years. You know, it's almost like uh, it's all cool Stardust, but you know, it's just Cody Rhodes with a painted face. You know, there's something missing there. You know. And, I mean, but my prediction is now, like, since Bray Wyatt came back, are they going to have Harper and Rowan wait another five weeks to come back or not? Or what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, I, I keep hearing that they're turning them face. I don't know if that's just speculative or what, but uh, 
I mean, I could I'm see not that sure being that would a good be a great idea either. You know, if you both like the second coming of uh, Billy Jim and uh, Cousin Junior or something like that. You know, but uh, well, but yeah, Rick, um, I, I don't know. Some, some, some I did notice, and I, I know definitely Toph, um, Toph, Toph is going to go in in this one. Um, not that I really compared, but how do you show Bruce and y'all, you know, before the scene in Orton match, the decap believe into it was 27 world title, 27 world title yeah, reigns in between Orton and Bruce. Bruno Sammartino was uh, maybe two, you know, two or three time world champion, you know, does that make him less than, uh, you, know, you know, those guys? I think that in itself is kind of a, you know, a flashing neon sign of what's wrong with the business. You know, you get 27 titles, you know. I defy anyone, even the most hardcore, you know, uh, mark in the world to tell me the uh, title switches of all those guys and the times and the places and whatever, you know, I, I don't think even the most hardcore, you know, uh, obsessive Mark could tell me, uh, you know, Cena won it on January 4th, 1999, or whenever the hell, you know. And it's, but, yeah, it's, it's a sign of what's wrong with the business, you know, 27 times, you know. Like, uh, Lou says won it six times over 30 years, you know, or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, so, so, your thoughts on uh, um, them keep believing that Cena's only one away from Flair and, you know, it's 27 tight mm. reigns between him and Orton? Uh, I don't I don't care. Yeah, him breaking Flair's record means absolutely nothing to me. Uh, he yeah, I think error. you hit the nail on the head because I don't think anyone else gives a yeah. right to us either, you know. What people don't understand is... Um, yeah, the the thing is, it I don't really care about it because what, there's a lot of WWE. They're going to tell you what they want. They're going to tell fans. They're going to continue to give them WWE propaganda. John Cena and Randy Orton. They existed in an era where world titles meant nothing. They existed in an era where there was two world titles, whereas you know guys from the older era came from one world title. And one one thing that that really pisses me off, and this is why I've really never been too crazy for Edge or John Cena is that half of these reigns that they do, I mean, they had transitional reigns and it's like, I can, I can name you like five different transitional reigns. John Cena had up the top of my head. I remember when he beat Edge at WrestleMania 25 to become War Heavyweight champion. And then he dropped that three weeks later to Edge at a last man standing match. I remember when right. he lost the WWE championship to CM Punk at money in the bank and then they had that tournament, and then, you know, Rey Mysterio won, and then John Cena beat Rey Mysterio, and he became champion, and then Cena and Punk had a title unification match at SummerSlam, and then Punk won, and then, you know, Kevin Nash powerbombed, Del Rio cashed in, and then Del Rio, you know, he was the champion, and then Cena beat him, and so he was WWE champion, and then the very next month, he dropped that to Del Rio in a triple, in a triple threat match. So it's like so many yeah. of his reigns, you know, weren't even long. You know, he oh, was yeah, champion adding like, insult to Injury, uh, I totally agree with you. About 99% of the uh, title changes are swerve finishes. They're not even in the middle pins. There's swerves and run-ins and 
puck jobs and referee bumps and uh, pulling a chair out and a gimmick. And so I, I believe uh, if you are going to switch a belt, very, very rarely should you ever have it done on some, you know, some bullshit technicality or have a gimmick or a run-in or a swerve or, you know, cheapens right. the belt. And I totally agree with what you're saying, too. Like, uh, I'm glad they've got back to just having one belt, but um, by that token, I think the other belts shouldn't even be, I think they should frankly get rid of the U.S. and the Intercontinental. It's like having the Super Bowl and then the Ultimate Bowl or the, you know, NFL, which is the most successful sports league in North America, just has one title in, you know, they don't need three bowls or whatever, so... I don't know why they. Sure. I don't even know what the hell the point of the U.S. title, especially when it's being held by a uh, Irishman or whatever the hell, or <laughs> Intercontinental or the some of that other. Back in the day when they had the European title and they had Americans holding, and it's like, you know, just excessive, pointless overkill. Yeah, well, well, with that, um, everybody, do you thank everybody for calling in, um, Bruce? Um, I know you are the boss. At the show, you know, we're running low and low under 20 minutes. I want to give yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, a lot. I'd like a to lot, thank um, you guys you know, for, and for uh, joining us tonight. And uh, I enjoyed your enlightened perspectives. Uh, I, I wish there was uh, more <laughs> enlightened fans out there that were extending an influence on, on the uh, powers that be in the... Uh, administrative end because I think the product would be a hell of a lot better you know it's, but, uh, but yeah I uh, enjoyed hearing what you guys had to say tonight and some interesting stuff and uh, I certainly look forward to having you guys back you know uh, we got some interesting shows coming up so uh, feel free to uh, join us uh, the more the merrier yeah, just want to remind everybody, uh, uh, Chris and um, <clears throat> sorry, Soph and Jason, stay on real quick. Um, remind everybody that this is I'll be radio with um, the host itself, Bruce Hart. Uh, next week on I'll be radio will be the PWP, the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse team. Will be Jay Aletto. Um, I will be joining in um, momentarily uh, doing that show. I'm not sure exactly, but I will be coming on. And the other great guys of PWP um, coming up to you on Under the Mat Radio November the 11th. We will have who uh, great legend who just was on a uh, hubby radio a few weeks ago. We will have WWE Hall of Famer and uh, manager of the Four Horsemen JJ, James J. Dillon will be on Under the Mat Radio November the 11th. And we also have a lot of great stars coming up. Uh, Tove, anything that you needed to plug real quick? Oh no, no, no plugs. Good show, guys. Thanks. Buddy. Thanks very much. Uh, Jay- uh, enjoyed your uh, perspective, and thanks for coming on. Oh, no problem, Jason, buddy. Uh, All Jason, the best. Uh, Jason, go, buddy, and uh, plug uh, your show and um, what you need. Yeah, um, I was just at um, Lancaster's Championship Wrestling last night. I did a I did an interview with um, ECW uh, original Rhino. And I did a uh, interview with former TNA talent, which I honestly got never heard of Scott D. Ray three thousand, 
which turned out very great. You can see him on YouTube. Uh, just search my name, the Indie Wrestling Fan, or Facebook.com, Indie Wrestling QA. I know I'm in talks. Um, the promoter of LCW might be getting me an interview with Kurt Angle uh, November 29th. So I'm hoping that's an opportunity for me. So other than yeah, that... How is Kurt doing I'll have to check that out. And if, if you're talking to Kurt, Tom, we'd love to have him on heartbeat anytime. You know, he's a guy that uh, I know my brother, Brett, uh, had a great deal of respect for, you know, and I know my dad did. So, you know, I'd love to have him on and just hear some uh, wrestling stories from a guy who's, you know, uh, paid his dues and, you know, I, I honestly think is uh, worthy, deserving of a lot more than has been given to him. But but I'd love to have him on sometime if if you drop uh, let him know that. Okay, we definitely will. Uh, uh, under the Matt Radio, Tack and the Game Boy, Shen, uh, Sensational One, Tony, but we'll be at that same show too. So um. Once we get a hold of them, we, we'll talk to Kurt. We definitely will um, try to work that off for you, too, Bruce. But thanks a lot, Bruce, yeah. for, uh, once again, letting me come on. Thank you, Bob Johnson. Uh, it's always an honor yeah. to talk with your show. Yeah, you know. yeah and any time, Evan, I look forward to having you on again. Uh, you know, uh, enjoy hearing your perspectives. And as I said before, uh, enlightened and uh, intelligent. So, uh, you know, uh, look forward to the next time. All right, thank you much. And when I know everybody, this is Harvey Radio with the great Bruce Hart. Big up to our producer, Bob Johnson, owner, Jay Aletto, a pro wrestling powerhouse. This is Tech, uh, co-host, co-help, uh, co-friend, in a way, of Harvey Radio, host of Under the Mat Radio, every Tuesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse. Love you all much. And on that note, Bruce, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Good night, my friend. Thank you. All the best to everyone. Thank you. Thank you.